Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Hey, everybody. It is time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thanks for joining us here on the show. Scott Goldbranson, as always, joined by my man, my co-host, my friend, Mr. Mo Moten. He is uh, NFL senior writer at Bleacher Report and also the Raiders columnist over at Sports Knot. There is not much going on, right, Mo? You're covering the entire league. We're talking Raiders football here, obviously, on Silver and Black today. But, man, it like this week is Monday into Tuesday now, it feels like these first two days of the week, it feels like football season, doesn't it? There's going to be a football game played this week, and the Raiders <laughs> are in it. So that that's all you need to know. Enough said right there. So as we've been saying in the last couple of shows, Raiders-Jaguars coming up. I know you have a conspiracy theory to bring up about <laughs> teams that play in a Hall of Fame game. That's going to be no, fun. No, no conspiracy theories. It's just data. And we're going to get to the data. That's a good tease, as they call it. And look at Mo. He's getting all broadcast-like. Teasing stuff that's in the last segment, but he's on top of it. That's good. But yes, absolutely. Oh, by the way, before we head into the show, you got to do us a favor. Mo and I both. Go subscribe to the show if you haven't already done it. Wherever you get your podcasts, just go look up Silver and Black today. Hit us up for a subscription there. Uh, make sure you get it that way. The show's pushed to you directly. Also, give us a five-star rating. We certainly appreciate that. The feedback uh, as we've joined the Odyssey Network has been incredibly positive, so we certainly appreciate that. But don't miss any shows. We're going to have one today. We have one Thursday pregame show, and then I'm even going to do one on Thursday night after the game for Friday morning. So lots of content coming your way, so you, let's uh, make sure you do that. We appreciate that. Also, just a rundown on the show tonight. We're going to talk about just the latest news that came out of camp uh, as of yesterday on Monday. Some news there as well as over the weekend. Uh, We'll get to that as far as injuries, some signings. Also, Alex Leatherwood. Yes, the conversation is back. We're going to talk about the Raiders offensive line because it continues to be a question mark and there's uncertainty there. In the second segment, we'll talk more about camp. We'll talk about Derek Carr. He's getting comfortable in the Josh McDaniel system. He also talked about over the weekend on Sunday uh, a little bit about the focus that this team has on limiting pre-snap penalties and whatnot. So we'll hear from that from him as well. And then in the third segment, as Mo mentioned, the Hall of Fame game. It's great because you're the first game of the year, but there's some numbers there that might not be so positive if you're a fan of one of the teams in the game. So we're going to talk about that 
as we get towards the end of the show. But Mo, let's let's get right to it here with obviously I think the hottest story when it comes to the Raiders at camp so far. We knew going in, we talked about it, offensive line, defensive backs, offensive line, the national microscope, NFL Network was in Henderson at camp. They talked at nauseum about the offensive line because of Derek Carr, because of this potentially high-powered offense. But then we hear last week into the weekend, the, the media on the ground, the beat writers, talking about how Alex Leatherwood wasn't with the first team at certain times. Then he was. Then he didn't look good. Then he looked dejected. And so what I want to do before we dive in and talk to that, because I think some of this, right or wrong, is reading the room and reading the player by those there and those reporting on the team. And that was how Alex Leatherwood was sort of carrying himself and responding. So we're going to go to this clip. It's a little bit of a longer clip over a minute about them asking Vinny Bonsignor, our friend at the Las Vegas Review Journal, asks Alex Leatherwood about, hey, how does it feel? Maybe you're not the starter right now, all this kind of stuff. And I want you to watch the video and tell us what you think, because the media thought that he was giving off some negative body language. So let's watch this now. Uh, yeah, it's going good. Uh, we got a, a very talented O-line group, um, a lot of good depth, so uh, great competition. You know what I mean? So, you, I mean, yeah, I know you want to start. Um, you know, uh, how are you processing just the fact that right now it looks like maybe you're not starting? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just all about going in um, each day and just uh, keep your head down and working. You know what I mean? Um, make the main thing the main thing. You know what I mean? Just um, me do my work. They do their work, you know. Just have fun, compete. Alex, obviously you went to a school where even as a big recruit, you know, you had to to, to compete for reps. Has that kind of prepared you for, for how we deal with that? <laughs> yeah, I feel like, um, yeah, just me being at Bama, you know what I mean, all that good stuff. Um, I'm no stranger to uh, competition, so uh, I know exactly how to handle it. That being said, with the competition, do you think this preseason for you is going to be more important than anything going into the season? Um, no, not really. I feel like... Uh, Every day is important, you know what I mean? So um, just um, the way I come in every day and work, and uh, yeah, so. With the, with the competition that you're enduring and, and what you knew you personally had to work on coming in over this first week or so of camp, what, what more have you seen maybe from your competition that you'd like to improve upon? Um, nothing really specific. But uh, just improve my game as a whole. You know what I mean? Uh, pass pro in the run game. You can never be perfect in this game. So always work on everything. Well, there you go, Mo. Uh, Alex Leatherwood talking to the media. The media asking him some questions, you know, that, that aren't exactly easy for a player who might be struggling, right? He stood up there. He took it. Now, we've heard Alex Leatherwood before. He's not a real talkative guy. Not every player is. And that's okay, too. When you watch that clip, what what do you gather from what he said, number one? And number two, look, it's camp. There, there's competition going on at every position. Are we reading too much into it, or what's your takeaway? I think people are reading a little too much into it. You mentioned it. Alex Otherway has always been the most talkative person at the microphone, at the podium. So I'm not expecting all to show, you know, personality especially when you're you might not start so i mean what do you expect him to say for a guy who is the first round pick you know for for the time being he was tapped to be the right tackle the starting right tackle to book in the colt miller 
And now you get into your second training camp and you're taking now 13 reps behind a, a rookie seventh round. Like Thayer Mumford was getting first team reps at one point when I believe Brandon Parker was at left tackle, according to reports. So the fall has been pretty quickly for him in terms of where he is in the pecking order. Now, I will say there's a lot of time left. We're, you know, we haven't even got to a Hall of Fame game um, yet. So he can improve. He can show improvement over the next few weeks and make a push i wouldn't count him out of the, the battle for right tackle yet but i will say that the reports right now that we're reading and hearing are much different than reports that we heard from the spring so i said this on last on last week's show that all the reports are saying outside the woods getting all the reps at right tackle he's with the first teams with the starters and now you're hearing something totally different as far as where he is between the first second and third team so I caution people all the time when it comes to training camp and these spring practices before the pads are on the field. Be careful how much you take with these reports. Take it with a grain of salt because things can change quickly from May to August in terms of where a player is, especially with new coaching staff coming in. No, that's no question. And then I know we, we discussed last show about Alex Leatherwood maybe be, being better suited in this system to the guard position, which I know – uh, some people didn't like us talking about that and made comments on a YouTube channel or on the podcast saying, no, he's a right tackle. But clearly there continues to be a struggle there. It doesn't mean he can't overcome it. But clearly, I don't know how much how much patience Josh McDaniels and the staff are going to have. I mean, clearly you're going to go with your best guy. That, that doesn't matter. Week, week one. You're going in the preseason now. We'll see how much he plays. That'll be, I think, indicative of where he's at early on. I know it's just one game. But with a guy you're trying to get settled in to see what he can do, a game like the Hall of Fame game, the first preseason game, seems like an awfully great opportunity to put him against some live competition and see what happens. Are we going to learn enough, do you think, in the next couple weeks? Um, could this be something resolved pretty quickly with that player? I think we're going to learn a lot in the next couple of weeks. May not be to the Raiders fans' liking because I know, as you mentioned, a lot of Raider fans wanted Alexander to win tackle spot because they, you know, a lot of people compare him to Colton Miller, and I cautioned against that mm -hmm. because, as I said, coming into the league, there was question marks whether Leatherwood was a guard or a tackle. I was one of the people who felt like he was a guard. Now, the next few weeks, I would give Leatherwood a lot of snaps at both positions. Let him play a guard, right guard and tackle. But to, to this point, I haven't seen or read anything about him getting any reps at guard. So maybe they don't see him as a guard at all. Mm. But if he's a if he's a struggling tackle, I think you got to experiment with him unless you're trying to trade him behind the scenes because there are reports now that the Bears are trying to trade uh, Tevin Jenkins, who's not Your a big guy. air system, uh, who I was high on coming out of Oklahoma State. Yes. I wanted the Raiders to draft Tevin, Tevin Jenkins, but it turns out he may not be a fit for the new Bears coaches staff, so they may trade him. Uh, Ian Rappaport was on that, saying that the Bears have been engaged in trade talks with him. I wouldn't mind if the Raiders brought him in if he's a fit for their scheme. But um, it seems right now they, they seem high on Brandon Parker. Like that seems to be their guy right now at the right tackle <laughs> position. Maybe Thayer Mumford, the, the rookie seventh rounder out of Ohio State, being the backup. But Back to Leatherwood. At this point, you just give him as many reps as you can during the preseason. Okay, so there's a possibility of a trade with another team to try to address the tackle position if you're the Raiders. The Bears, yeah, with Tevin maybe looking to move him. The Raiders could be looking to move Leatherwood. Could we see a swap of those two guys? Maybe not head for head. Who knows? But I, I just sense, Mo, from, from the way that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler operate, that they're not going to wait around. They're not going to give the guy until week two of the NFL season. Uh, if they don't feel that he's going to be 
the starter or the answer and they can they can deal him they might but if they can't deal him you still got to pay him so he's going to be there perhaps in the rotation unless they've lost all confidence but I'm starting to get more and more concerned with the offensive line because you know the Raiders had a week up on everybody they started camp early because of this game they are going through these rotations we've seen Lester Cotton who spoke to the media on Monday kind of elevate again he seems to have good buzz around him Dylan Farham Parham the the rookie is doing well in in turn so you suddenly have some other players who are showing some some proclivity to maybe at least be in the talk about starting you don't want to push the panic button yet on anybody we talked about that last time but at the same time you have to address that offensive line because you have to protect that newly signed quarterback behind there and by the way that's what makes your whole offense go so at what point do the Raiders really need to start doing something about it is it after this first game Regardless of how the Raiders feel about Brandon Parker, right tackle, and Lester Cotton at right guard, I think you bring in veteran insurance just because you want to have depth there. Because even if you're higher on those two guys, what if one of them gets hurt? Then what do you do? Are you going to put Alex Otherwood who's struggling in there? No, you you might want a better, you might want some veteran insurance. And this is why I'm going to say his name for the 179th time. This is why (laughs) you bring in Daryl Williams if he, you know, if he's, you know, out there looking for a job, willing to play. Just for the veteran insurance, even if you're not high on the guy, I, I just think you need someone to step in just in case you do have injuries or Brandon Parker doesn't pan out or Lester Cotton doesn't pan out how you think they will. I think the Raiders should bring another guard and a tackle. I know they have Alex Bars there, but doesn't have much starting experience. Pretty much a spot guy. He can use, he can play at all five positions, I believe. But I think you need some backup reinforcements. And, and I know people are going to say, what about Thayer Mumford? And Thayer Mumford is a name that's getting mentioned a lot as the right tackle but again i think you just want some experience on that line just in case your young guys don't pan out yeah no doubt about it but they also um i was interested because they did they did talk to josh mcdaniels uh, about um the situation this was on sunday when he last spoke with the media and they talked about it and they also um asked him about kind of how the competition on that offensive line was going so let's let's hear from mcdaniels on that offensive line because Again, I'm I'm starting to get real concerned with with where they're going to go uh, on this and who's going to, and they have time, yes, who's going to kind of win out on that. But here's McDaniel's talking about the progress of the offensive line, and then we'll come back and talk about it because I think he does something brilliant. You know, there. there's there's been some, um, you know, the, like normal. There's some good and some bad. Um, you know, I think anytime you have an opportunity to get into pads what happens is is there's you know there's going to be some things on the very first day that are sloppy which we saw that the other day and then the second day was better um you know and now we've had you know a day off and a shells day and now we're going to come back into them today so um i know those guys really are eager to take the opportunities that we have in full pads to try to work on those things because you know you just can't simulate that so um, a third pad a day. We're going to learn more about ourselves today than we than we have in the first couple of days. Uh, there's definitely some things we, we can improve, um, but as a whole, I think both sides of the ball are trying to do the right things. Um, we're just not there yet in terms of being able to do it over and over and over again consistently, which is not unique to this year. You know, that's generally the case. You know, they haven't been in pads in months, and now we've had two days. So. Um, we didn't expect it to look perfect at this point, and uh, we're just going to kind of tr- try to use these days that we have today and tomorrow to build on this. Uh, so hopefully we, we can improve those things and make them more consistent. There you go. Now, what I want to point out before we get into the substance 
what he said is the absolute brilliance of professional coaches to talk for that long and really say not much, to really say nothing, right? So Bill Belichick's reputation, Mo, of of you know being dour on the stand and like uh, uh, Josh McDaniels is not that way. You've pointed it out several times. He has much more personality. Uh, he gets into it a lot more. He's much more personable at this point in his career, right? And But if you listen to what he said there, other than, hey, it's training camp and guys make mistakes and, hey, it goes back, they do some good things. He didn't say anything at all about the competition there. Uh, but he also is not letting on, for example, who he likes performance. You know, is there a guy that he can point out? He's not getting into any of that. He's keeping tight-lipped on it, which to me is coach speak. But at the same time, we're not hearing, other than what we're hearing, the little reports out of the media, we're not hearing a lot about the competition here and who's kind of winning out. Yeah, and this is why you have to kind of connect the dots and pay attention to all the reports that are going coming out of Raiders camp. And this is why I read different outlets and I compare notes Listen to the play, look at the player's body language, even though I try not to be to play psychologist too much because you never know what's going on in a player's life or why he has a certain body language he has at, at the podium. This is why I didn't want to read too much into Alex Leatherwood because he's usually kind of soft spoken, doesn't say much at the, at the podium either. But with Josh McDaniels, I don't expect him to tip his hand. And there have been reports saying that the Rays aren't going to show much even in their preseason games. I know they play the Jaguars just this year, but regardless of the opponent, the, the notion is that they weren't going to show much anyway. And, and that's right. that comes from being under Bill Belichick and the Patriots just not wanting to show too much and coming out to surprise people once the regular season happens. So I expect all that. I don't expect him to tip his hand. But again, I just, just caution people, pay attention to these reports that are coming out of camp because these are people who are actually observing these practices and they're telling you mm -hmm. what the pecking order is. So don't pay attention too much to what the coach says read about what's going on at these practices. Yeah, it's important too because preseason camp it's hard for people. They're excited about football coming back, but for those guys on the ground, those guys and gals, excuse me, on the ground watching practice every day, some of which you and I know and we and we get some back channel stuff too. They see the coaches yelling at guys, moving them in the position because they're out of position. That's the kind of stuff that we don't get, right? That player or excuse me, fans don't see. So to your point, keeping track of that is important. I know a lot of fans will look at it and say, oh, there's the beat reporters being negative again about this guy or that guy. Now, I'm not saying that they're all right all the time, but they do have a good beat on it, so it'll be interesting. But that's also the, the, the I think, good thing, Mo, about preseason football, as much as fans complain about it because they have to pay full price for a ticket, which I think is, is highway robbery myself. But the fact remains, when you watch these preseason games, like for me, I'm going to watch the game, and I'm going to watch the offensive line. I could care what's going on with the ball. I know Devontae Adams is going to be fine. I know Darren Waller is going to be fine. I know Hunter Renfro is going to be fine if they even play, which they probably won't. But on that offensive line, watching play by play, if you're watching that game, watch those guys and how they perform. That's the way for me to watch preseason football. Especially for this team where one of the biggest questions is the offensive line. But I will say a quick note. Notice how... You know, you don't hear about, obviously, Colton Miller is, is a lock to start. Uh, for the most part, you don't hear about John Simpson taking second, third team reps. He's pretty much been their left guard. That's been the constant. I know Dylan Parham has stolen some center snaps from Andre James, but the overwhelming notion is that Andre James is going to be the starter. Lester Cotton, you haven't heard him relinquish any snaps from the right guard position. Alex Otherwood is the question mark. A lot of people put a big spotlight on him, but 
you hate to, you hate to be the guy to say something from miles and miles away from camp, but the obvious observation is he isn't doing as well as a lot of people thought he would do back in the spring. Right. And that was after an off season where his coach talked him up, where they talked him up about his preparation, his, his physical um, uh, training, all that stuff. So he, everybody was kind of giving him positive affirmations coming into camp. And so that's why I think some of the reports, whether they're misreads or not about the negative body language and his attitude off the, off the field or off the camera, maybe is interesting because he kind of had everything set up to succeed. He just had to go out and perform. Uh, and that's always the rub, right? You have to go out and actually get the job done. So we'll have to see how it all pans out there, but huge question marks around offensive line. I know we're going to talk a lot, a lot about it. Uh, after the game, I'm sure, and into the next week as they head into preseason game number two. We're going to step aside for our first break here on Silver and Black today. When we come back, we'll get to the rest of camp notes. We'll hear from Derek Carr as well uh, and him getting comfortable in the Josh McDaniels defense, or excuse me, offense, Mo. Also, though, remember we talked last time, my friend, about focus and no penalties and all that stuff? Derek Carr talks about that, too, so we'll get to that when we come back. Just a reminder, hit the subscription button. Don't forget, do that. That way the show is pushed to you directly each time. We certainly appreciate that. Also, drop us a five-star rating, and uh, we would definitely love that from you as the show continues to grow here as an Odyssey original podcast. All right, we'll step aside. When we come back, we roll on. Silver and black today. Don't go anywhere. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, we're back. It is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast Thank you guys all for being with us. We hope Raider Nation is in a good mood. It is football time. Game on Thursday, the Raiders and the Jaguars in Canton, Ohio. We're going to talk about that in the last segment, but we'll also obviously do a full game preview with the latest uh, coming out of Henderson and out of Canton, actually, as the team flies tomorrow, Wednesday, excuse me, flew today, Tuesday, to Canton, Ohio, to prepare for Thursday's game. They're already there, so we will talk about that and get to you uh, the latest and the greatest. So that'll be like our preview show coming up on Thursday. Uh, but the rest of this show, we'll get to the rest of the news. Mo, a lot of stuff I want to talk about. I got to take my sheet out here because there's so much stuff going on in camp. 
But a couple things. Uh, news from camp. Injuries, of course. Every team has injuries. Uh, some are more significant than others. Uh, Kyler Fackrell uh, out for the season. That was their kind of third edge rusher. Chandler Jones has missed four practices in a row as of Monday. And uh, 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 Fackrell is, I think, to me, a, a big loss because they were kind of counting on him to come in and, and be a bolster to that. Now, of course, you have Jones, you have Crosby, uh, but his injury is one that people were kind of concerned about. Here's what McDaniel said about that injury and what it means for the Raiders heading into week one of the preseason. Yeah, um, you know, any any time we lose a player to injury reserve, it's a loss. Um, you know, and, and uh, but you have 90 guys on the roster that are all competing um, for this reason, you know, and you know, football is a, a physical game and a contact sport. And so there's going to be some of these things that happen along the way. And I think the most important thing, you know, we can do is, number one, get him back to health. And then, you know, secondly, we just, you know, we have to – we can't stop at any point in time during the course of training camp or the regular season to feel sorry for ourselves. And, and we don't. You know, our group's, you know, really competitive. Um, those guys have been working really hard. And um, we have depth at that position. And, you know, we're going to see how it plays out over the course of training camp. But – Guys have stepped up, you know, and you know, in the, um, you know, in some of the absences we've had already, um, and they have opportunities, you know. So, um, if an, if somebody goes down with an injury, that certainly presents an opportunity for others, and hopefully some of those guys will take advantage of it. All right, Bo, taking advantage of it. Kendall Vickers, Malcolm Kuntz, Jerry Green getting the snaps. They are not Chandler Jones uh, or uh, <laughs> Kyler Frackle, Fackrell, excuse me. Um, how big of a loss is that for the Raiders? I think it's a moderate loss. A lot of people are not going to make a lot of noise about Fackrell. Uh, they don't know too much about him, but he played under Patrick Graham with the Giants. Mm-hmm. I believe he had a 10 and a half sack season a few years ago. So he, he knows the system. He can get you production in a designated pass rushing role. Not having him is a, is a blow to me because if Crosby or Jones go down with an injury, who's going to be your starting edge to fill in the void. So I think they need a third guy, and they are a proven third guy. I know a lot of fans are high on Malcolm Coots, and I think Malcolm Coots can fill in a role. But I'm always of the belief that you have a veteran along with a young guy just in case the young guy doesn't pan out how you think, and you can get a veteran to just get you those snaps, fill in snaps immediately without worrying about, okay, is, is he in the right position? No, that guy usually knows where he has to be. It's a matter of can he make the plays at his age. And I'll throw out a sizzling hot take right now. Uh-oh. I think the Raiders should call Jason Pierre-Paul. Jason wow. Pierre-Paul played under Patrick Graham with the Giants in 2016-2017. Patrick Graham was the D-line coach there, so he played directly under Graham, who was his position coach. And he's mm. a free agent right now. He's working out in Florida. Uh, he's a native of Florida, so... He said, according to Josina Anderson of CBS Sports, he's going to take his time picking his new team. And I think mm. the Raiders would be a good fit for him. He's played in four-man fronts. He's played in odd-man fronts. So he has the versatility. Yes, he is 32, 33 years old. But if he can get you five, six, seven sacks and a designated pass rushing as a third guy, I think that's what you would want out of your veteran pickup at on the edge. It's a that's an intriguing suggestion, Mo. I think that uh, if if the Mostradamus Globe is out, then maybe uh, maybe they make that move because you're right, and that's the thing that I didn't understand with some of the the reaction to the factual loss. People are like, oh yeah, whatever. He was an upgrade, okay. So yes, Malcolm Kuntz. I know he's a young player. Fans like him, uh, and he's got potential. But that's potential. 
that's not a veteran in a system that they're familiar with, number one. Kendall Vickers, we know what Kendall Vickers is. Good ball player, but Fackrell was an upgrade to all of those guys. And listen, with the with Chandler Jones, and we don't know his status now, I'm not freaking out about it. It's early with veterans. Uh, you want them to get healthy for the regular season anyway. Uh, and he, at his age, too, and the, the mileage he's had on him, I think it's smart to keep him out, even if he's just got a little bit of soreness or whatever it is bothering him. We don't know what it is. But I, I, that's a smart move to me. But you look at him, you look at Jerry Green, nothing to write home about either. So, so uh, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul signing would be a good one, but this team, I think, is going to um, um, have to address that offensive line position that we talked about first, I think. But, but they have the money to go out and make the moves. Um, Mo, the other thing I want to talk about, too, with this is some of the other positions that we've been keeping an eye on. At linebacker, we haven't talked a lot about it. Micah Kaiser gone for the year. Injured. It's been his problem in the NFL, right? Good young player, too. I really liked him coming out of college, uh, but he just can't stay on the field. He gets injured. We saw reports from camp that he was carried out, stretchered out, and that didn't look good. And sure enough, they put him on IR uh, on Monday. You have Denzel Perryman, Jayon Brown, of course, and Divine Diablo. But they are going to have to do something there, too, because um, um, they're, they, they need more bodies, right, at linebacker. I, I think Kenny Young is probably going to soak up some reps. Uh, my, soup, my, uh, my sleeper, and he's been my sleeper for months now, people are just now starting to pick up on this, just saying. I think Darian Butler is going to make the 50-man roster, and I think he's going to ah. contribute. You know, a lot of people are just now picking need him up to. on it. I've been saying it again. Let, let me say this again. I've been saying that for months now that Darren Butler is going to make the 50 minute roster. Mm. This is before Micah Kaiser's injury. This is before anything was going on. I just think Darren Butler is, is going to be a good fit because you need that hybrid type player who can possibly play in the middle of the field, maybe be a big nickel safety uh, or a linebacker. So I, I think with that, with their linebacker group, they'll, they'll probably maybe add a guy or two. But I think behind Jayon Brown, Denzel Perryman, and Devon Diablo, Darian Butler and Kenny Young are going, to get, are going to have the most increased opportunities. And I think Darian Butler is the guy to watch at camp. Yeah, and you did call him out. I think you called him out on one of your columns, too, if I recall. Maybe I'm wrong. But I, yes, track. on columns, shows. Ever, ever <laughs> I would say back since April, I was like, Darian Butler yeah. is the undrafted, free agent, undrafted rookie free agent who's going to make the Raiders roster. Yeah, and I, they need him to step up now, too, obviously, with the with the injury. Um, let's go to safety, where maybe you weren't as correct, um, based on the buzz coming out of camp, which is Jonathan Abram, Trayvon Morig. We weren't we weren't concerned with 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 Morig. Um, they're getting the majority of the snap reports with uh Duron Harmon, a great pickup as well, getting kind of that third rotational safety um 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 time in in camp so that's where it is now again a lot can change over the next couple weeks but it's good to hear that abrams is is actually doing well and that they are are staying on the field unlike the leatherwood situation where he's been moving around he's sometimes there sometimes not it sounds like jonathan's actually stepped up seems to be grasping that patrick ram system pretty well and performing well too yeah the difference there is that Jonathan Abram has clear strengths and weaknesses. Mm. Uh, I said it was still in the early part of his career. We don't know what he could be and what his absolute strengths are. But with Jonathan Abram, we know he needs to be close to the line of scrimmage. He doesn't need to be in space or 10, 10, 15 yards from the line of scrimmage. So as long as they keep him in the box or close to the box, close to the line of scrimmage, going downhill, I think he'll be fine. With Daron Harmon, 
regardless of where he is in rotation, I think he's still going to get reps as a third safety in the big nickel formation. If they if they don't have a slot cornerback and they Hobbs out there, I can see Daron Harmon being the fifth defensive back. You also yeah. had dime packages where you got six defensive backs on the field. So he'll still get those snaps. But right now, obviously, it's Merrick. And then it's um, Jonathan Abram getting most of the snaps of safety, which is kind of what you want to see from your two first and second round picks from recent years. Yeah, no doubt. They also let's let's go to uh, actually. Yeah, let's go to running back running back. Raiders went and signed Austin Walter. He comes to the Raiders, was on the Jets and San Francisco practice squads last year, appeared in four games with the Jets and had a career high 26 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown camp body right i mean this is a guy just bringing yep. in zamir white uh was back at practice seems like he's whatever was bothering him and for a, a college guy coming in man getting banged up the first few days uh and 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 all the workouts uh, obviously back what do we what do we think with that running back we've seen Kenyon drake sounds like he's doing really well of course josh jacobs what do you think about Zamir White? I mean, we talked about him being a practice squad guy more than likely, um, but he's one of those guys, too, the fans are really behind and want to see out there on the field. Hopefully he gets some reps uh, uh, on Thursday and in the coming weeks. So I think Zamir White will probably get second-half reps, carries. It's not going to be much of a factor at the beginning of the season. It's usually hard for a rookie player to miss time and then take on a big role early in the season. So the pecking order is going to be Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake and Brendan Bowling get most of the snaps at running back. Drake and Bowling is gonna are gonna handle most of the pass catching responsibilities with Josh Jacobs getting 12 to 15 carries per game. But Drake is the guy, again, I'll reiterate this again. I think Drake is the guy that's gonna perform a lot better than people think because he's gonna get, you know, five to eight carries a game and he's gonna get a lot of targets. Gonna be very much involved in that offense. So he's the guy with circle as the guy that could exceed expectations. But Zamir White, it's gonna take him a while. Yeah, it is. Uh, but anyway, that's that's good. They got they got a nice room there and some depth, which is which is which is fantastic for this team heading into the preseason. All right, we'll switch to defensive backs. Mo, I've been a little surprised. We've heard a little bit, but it's been really quiet as far as um, evaluating. You you'll hear a couple plays that are made, and you hear the beat reporters tweet out so and so made a nice defense against uh, um, Devontae Adams or against Hunter Renfro, but we're not hearing a lot about the actual performance of that that young defensive back core. Uh, but the media did ask, in his last press conference, did ask uh, McDaniels about that group and the competition there, and here's what Very he Very competitive, um, you know, mature, uh, smart, you know. Uh, they, they, they certainly have added uh, an element of, of toughness and, comp and competition to our group, which is great. It's what we wanted to do in every room. Um, you know, and right now, it, you know, they're 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 doing anything and everything, you know, that they can to earn opportunities and more opportunities. So, um, I think that group's been very competitive in practice. You know, we've had some back and forth with the receivers. Um, you know, some days the receivers may get the better of them, some days they don't. You know, and and so uh, the competition across the ball and at that position has been good, and I think we've enhanced it with those guys. So it's preseason for us here, too. So I kind of led that clip in the wrong way. He was talking about the de the defensive backs, the veterans added, the Rocky Sins and so on. And so, Mo, he talked there, too, about the, the presence that those veterans have had back there, uh, which was key and good to hear. But what do you make of the fact that there's out of all the positions on the field that and this was a big question mark. This is a big thing for the Raiders to get that defensive backfield in shape. We're not hearing much. I like that we're not hearing much because 
what grinds my gears sometime in the preseason when we hear too much of the hype. Yeah. Oh, Brent, Brian Edwards. It's not a shot at anybody because I, I Levi Edwards is my guy. And I don't think he's, <laughs> he may, he may have may not started this, but I remember Brian Edwards being compared to T.O. and Randy Moss. Remember that? He was <laughs> supposed to be I do. that guy. And, and what did it turn into? Not much. So I, I don't read into, again, when it comes to preseason and offseason reports, I don't really start paying attention until about this time, late July, early August. Mm-hmm. And with Josh McDaniels not talking up his cornerbacks, I don't even think that's a sign of worry. I think that's good because you don't want to give too much to these young guys who still have a lot to prove, by the way. Trevon Mullen, I know who, who I know is hurt right now. Rocky Sin, Anthony Averett, those guys have a, even Nate Hobbs. He's only going to his second year. It's a young group. So you don't want to fill their head up with too much praise and, oh, they're looking great. Oh, this could be the next Champ Bailey. This could be the next Charles Woodson. Don't do any of that. Just let those guys put their head down and grind. Let them show it on the field. Well, and I, and I thought I thought that that was a brilliant answer by McDaniels too, because the question was about the veterans there. But obviously, the media is me- reading the room, and I'm sure the coaches. And if you watched the previous press conferences over the last two weeks, actually, they're not really talking a lot about the young guys. They're really focusing on those veterans. It's a smart move by the team for the point you just made. And so I like that as well. It's going to be interesting to see. We'll see on Thursday night how some of those guys perform. And I think we'll know a little more for our own eyes where they stand as far as uh, how they're progressing uh, and if they need to be where they need to be for the beginning of the season. All right. Now, before we head to the break, I want to get into one last thing about training camp, and that's Derek Carr. Uh, We talked last time about what Derek Carr needed to work on and that was really just ball protection, right? It was not fumbling the ball. It's been a problem for Derek Carr through his, through his career. Everything else has been okay. But but the focus thing that we talked about last show as well as being the biggest difference, and I think the the, the most important thing that Josh McDaniel and his staff have done around, um, around this team and getting them prepared for this season is really that focus uh, on always being ready always making the right decisions, not making pre-snap penalties, not making bad choices that get your teams into trouble. That's where the Raiders have gotten into trouble the last couple of years. So Derek Carr talked a little bit about that. And well, well, I can talk about now. Josh, and I know Josh has emphasized the heck out of that, you know, how, uh, you know, fumbled snaps, picks, fumbles, uh, penalties, offense, defense, special teams, um, how, how, uh, how fundamentals uh, come into play um, on those things and how we drill those things. And, you know, the fundamentals of things is something that we work um, really hard at, something that we do a lot of uh, here in, uh, in this, I guess, system, you know, in all three phases. And uh, hopefully that will result into what he's saying that happening for us. I hope so. Um, you know, there's been times where I'm like, dude, no way, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and, and hopefully one of the things is like, hey, if, they're, if that's the case, then we need to work – Ten times harder at it, and so we—it's really been emphasized on fundamentals, making sure we can the penalties that we can eliminate, um, especially the mental ones, the pre-snap ones, all those kind of things. Uh, it's really been a huge emphasis with with Josh and our and our coaches. There you go, right? And and you talked about it last time too, which was this idea that you have to focus on that, the idea that the Raiders are not victims. The second half of that clip was a question where he was asked about the Raiders being the most penalized team, kind of insinuating that they get some calls on them that they don't deserve, which is true, happens to a lot of teams as well. But in this case, Carr refocuses on, hey, 
we have to, I mean, I think he said fundamentals four or five times in that clip, right? And the point is that Derek Carr, even the words coming out of the players' mouths, you can kind of sense the culture and what's happening in the building, Mo, by how these guys talk and the phraseology they use because they're hearing it in the classroom every day and they're hearing it on the field every day. And now you're hearing it with the quarterback. Details, focus, not losing the game on your own account. Because mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of these football games, and I've watched plenty of them, a lot of times it comes down to the end and the team beats itself with a penalty. And that's what I was talking about last week's show. Now, a lot of people listening to this are going to send me their paragraphs about ethical skeptic <laughs> or what his research said. And I and believe me, I remember because I'm the close of the show, so I remember who had that report <laughs> and presented that data. But my point is that the Rays are trying to eliminate the unnecessary penalties. Yes, you're right. going to have calls that go against you that are, that are deemed unfair and you may look at it as a slight against the Raiders, but as you said, it happens to every team. Maybe it happened to Raiders more than any other team, but what you're trying to focus on are not the judgment calls, but the, the penalties that you can definitely eliminate. Derek Carr alluded to that at the podium, the pre-snap things, the mental errors. That's what you're trying to eliminate. That's what you can control. As far as some of the pass interference and holding calls, you know, that's a judgment call by the referee, but the false starts, you know, the botch snaps, you can fix that, and that has nothing to do with the ref- what the referee is doing or what the other team is doing, which you're doing in the building and practicing and getting over those mistakes and make sure it's a smooth, well-oiled machine. Yeah, but Mo, didn't you see Max Crosby held on every play? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, of course. That's and, and, that's what they're going to answer back. That's what they're going to say back to me. Which is funny because it's sort of like, hey, did you, did you watch the uh, NFL game on Monday? That soccer game was great. You know, I mean, like, it's like they're, they're not they're – not, <laughs> They're not connected. When you're talking about pre-snap penalties, when you're talking about beating yours, the Raiders over the last 10 years have beat themselves so much. Now, I'm not saying I'm not arguing the other point. Again, mm-hmm. like you said, we host the show. I had the guest on, the ethical skeptic, several times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So I get it. I know the data. I'm just saying when it comes to beating yourselves, the Raiders have been the best in the league at it. And that's because of the things that they need to avoid that Derek Carr talked about. And I just like that these guys, and it's different. I just get a different sense how they speak about this and that focus than they did under Gruden and Mayock. So to me, uh, it's, a, it's a very, very good sign. Um, all right, we're going to go to one more break here. When Mo and I come back, we're going to get into not a conspiracy theory. Mo's trying to make me look bad. Um, we're going to get into the numbers around the Hall of Fame game. Is it indicative of how the teams in the game will perform later in the year? Does it have some impact? Probably not. But we're going to get into the statistics and talk about that a little bit as we move forward here on Silver and Black today, an original Odyssey podcast. As you know, uh, again, hit the hit the subscribe button, whether you're on YouTube or the podcast. We appreciate that. We'll step aside when we come back. Hall of Fame game. What does it mean? We'll talk to you right after this. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, it's the home stretch. Silver and black today, the Tuesday edition. The Tuesday, two days before the Raiders hit the field in Canton, Ohio. That's right, football is back. Raider football is back, Raider Nation. I know you're ready for it. A lot of you traveling out to Canton. We're going to talk about Cliff Branch. We're going to talk about the game on Thursday. So make sure you tune in for that as well. Scott Branson, along with my buddy, my co-host, Mr. Mo Moten is with us as well. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, please, at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. We need to give him more. We need to distract him from fantasy football because... No cheesecake picks. <laughs> None. Don't DM him. You know, women say, hey, don't DM me you-know-what picks. Mo's saying, don't DM me cheesecake picks. Yes, yes, exactly. That's the, that is the equivalent. <laughs> you got to DM him a a piece of cheesecake every day throughout the fantasy football season so the rest of us can beat him in this this silver and black today fantasy football league whatever it can take anyway blocked. that's right and we'll get we'll, we'll have a report on the fantasy football we have the draft on saturday so once we get past the draft we'll have another segment on that coming up uh as well but the hall of fame game oh m-o-e-m-o-t-o-n i am at lv gully on twitter thank you for following us snb today is the show account okay so the Hall of Fame game, Mo, I, I just found this interesting. The folks at BetOhio.com, yes, even though Ohio does not have legalized sports betting yet, it's been passed, but it's not in force yet. They released this, uh, and they talked about it. But the teams that play in the Hall of Fame game, okay, as you know, bettors look for any edge, any kind of statistics that will give them any indication of anything uh, that they can make money on and wager. Uh, well, with the Hall of Fame game, the question here is the teams that play in the Hall of Fame game, like the Raiders and the Jaguars this season, how do they do the rest of the year after that game? Okay? And it's very interesting. Since 2000, the average number of wins for the teams participating in that preceding season is 8.4, which is slightly above the league average. Okay? Of the teams playing in the Hall of Fame game, 42% of them went on to make the playoffs that season. 42%. Above league average, which is 37%. So that's not so bad. That actually seems like, okay, that's a positive then, playing in that game, right? You're, you're above average in wins and in playoff chances. But then where it gets a little more concerning, if you're a Raiders fan, and if you play the odds, is the average record of the teams that play, and this is over the last 20 years, by the way, 22 years, since 2000, the average record is eight and eight. The over under wins record based on the preseason odds. I think what the Raiders are at nine, right? Mo, right? I think nine eight wins? and a half, eight, eight and, and a half. half. That's right. Well, so I, I, as a better, I bump it up to nine. Cause that's what it's going to be. Um, it are 19, 15 and four against those odds. The percentage of teams who made it to the divisional round of the playoffs who played in the hall of fame game, is just 15.8%. Okay? Teams that went on to win the Super Bowl after playing in the Hall of Fame game, guess how many? Zero. And six of the last seven years, both teams have missed the playoffs. 
Should we be concerned, Mo? No. <laughs> take your take your tinfoil hats off, everyone. No concern whatsoever. Oh. Um, because if you gotta look at it too, I look because I looked at the Hall of Fame games over the past what, seven years since 2015. I looked at the yeah. teams in those Hall of Fame games. It's a lot of mediocrity. I'm just saying. Yeah. No diss. No diss to any. Well, Cowboys. what have the Raiders been except for last year? That that's true, but now you have a new regime. You got Devontae Adams, you got Chandler <laughs> Jones, Derek Carr is going to his ninth year. He, he's got his best supporting cast. I see, I, I get the whole stats thing, and you're absolutely right. Betters would suck up those stats in a minute because that gives them an edge of it's what from Ohiobet.com. Right. I'm sure I'm sure if Kelly Kreiner's listening, he's <laughs> jotted those numbers down. I'm sure he's got it already. But me as a writer, as a National sports writer, I usually try to fall into trends like that because you have to look at, again, the teams that were in those games. So if the Chiefs and the Patriots were in those games, the Patriots, when they had Tom Brady, those numbers would look a lot better. But no, you got the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Cardinals, who are kind of like 500-ish borderline teams. And you just said that the Raiders have been in that in that crop, too. But with, with the Raiders situation, playing this Hall of Fame game and them playing against the Jaguars, I don't think the Jaguars are making the playoffs, so that's not my hold up for them. But I, I really honestly do think the Raiders are a playoff caliber team. And I know a lot of people are struggling with that because they're in a tough division. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. But I feel like the Raiders, as a healthy squad, have a shot to – I mean, I have them winning the division. I would say that that's – out of the realm either, but I think they are a playoff caliber team, and I think the numbers, even though you presented them very well, I don't think the Raiders <laughs> well, fans you. should uh I don't think the Raiders fans should should truly worry about the team that plays in the Hall of Fame game may not do as well as they think they will because I think the roster is constructed to win now and I think they will win a lot of games. And it's interesting because I think that a lot of the teams that had great success, to your point about the teams that play in the game, have there been examples of teams that have played in that game and then went deep in the playoffs for the last 20 years. There are a couple, no doubt. But at the mm. same time, um, if I'm the Patriots and I just won the Super Bowl, or if I'm the Rams and I just won the Super Bowl, and the and the league says, hey, we're going to we want to put you in the Hall of Fame game, because I believe the teams can actually say no. Like, it's not like a regular scheduled game. So since it's a, a preseason game, they can kind of say no if they're in that kind of and winning the Super Bowl you're in a good position to kind of say no so my guess is that those teams stay away from those games even though you get that quote-unquote extra week of training camp right because the Raiders got to start mm -hmm. a week early and they have a new head coach right. as well um, which is why um, it's it for them it's you know I mean look Josh McDaniels is going to coach on the field he played high school football right so for him it's kind of a going home it's a way for the Raiders to get on national TV again uh, so I understand why the Raiders were good with it, and it, it seemed like a really good fit. The Jaguars are, you know, what they are. Uh, but at the same time, to me, I wonder, do you think that that extra week with that new system is going to help them significantly? I mean, we've had some injuries. Injuries can happen anytime. I get that. But that extra week, because of the new coaching staff, um, do you feel like they're going to benefit from that? You must have been looking at my notes because I was going to say, I'll flip the script and say, I think the extra game is a benefit to the Raiders. For any team that has a new coach of staff, like the mm. Jaguars, who also have a new coach of staff, I think you want that extra game to see what you have outside, of the, aside from the practice field. Getting these players in real game situations helps you assess 
what you have on a roster, different positions. Maybe you have a young guy who's got to prove himself. Maybe you, you're wondering whether you should keep a, a veteran or a second-year player. And that goes back to my point about Alex Otherwood. This is a guy I would just plug in and just give him all the snaps and see where his strengths, where his weaknesses in the system that you have in place. So I think this could work out to the Raiders' favor, again, with the new coaching staff coming in. And Josh McDaniels was very tight-lipped about who's going to play. They talked about Derek Carr maybe playing. I don't see why. I know it's a new system, but he's a veteran quarterback. This is not a rookie quarterback. I don't think you risk it at all. I don't think you'll see any of the Raiders start starters at the very skilled positions. Do you? I don't think you see any of the stars, but you know what? It wouldn't surprise me to see Derek Carr have like a throw here or there. Mm. I mean, I, I wouldn't do it. I would just wrap him in bubble wrap until the season starts. <laughs> but him and Devontae Hunter, Darren Waller, Denzel Perryman, Crosby, Chandler Jones, they all just stand in the corner and just watch everyone else play. Because, again, you have a new coach staff coming in, and you're wondering what you have in a lot of these young guys or these friend roster, fringe roster players who may or may not make the roster. This, this is for them to show yeah. what they have in the new system. Yeah, no doubt about it. It'll be interesting, and I mean, everybody's excited. You want to see this new product on the field and see how they do it. And actually, I, I love preseason because, again, NFL, to win in the NFL, you have to have depth. OK, so that means yep. the backup quarterback, that means the backup tackle, that means the wide receiver core. Some of those young guys that we have questions about, they get an opportunity to shine. They also get an opportunity to make the roster. To me, that's the great thing about it. Are they the best football games? No. But if you watch them for individual performances, Mo, to me, I that's why I get excited about it, because you see a guy come out and really do well for himself. Even if he doesn't make the Raiders roster because of a log jam somewhere, he catches on with somebody, and that's, uh, to me, an exciting part about the preseason. I know you mentioned you're going to be watching the offensive line. I will be too. But I also want to see how that defense performs, only because, as we talked about today, a lot of injuries, sneaky, sneaky, you know, a lot of injuries on the defensive side. Cross, as you Not Crosby. As you mentioned, Chandler Jones missed some practices. They said they're not worried about him. Uh, no Kaiser, no Micah Kaiser, no Kyler Fackrell. Uh, Bilal Nichols and Jonathan Hankins have been out. They've been on PUP. So this is a time where guys like Matthew Butler, uh, Neil mm -hmm. Farrell Jr., some of those depth guys that you just mentioned could step up and, and maybe carve out a bigger role for themselves in the regular season or ensure their spot on the roster in the 50-man depth chart. So I think it's big for the defense because of the injuries on that side of the ball. No doubt about it. It's going to be fun to watch all those guys. And, and that is a big question mark, and I think that's where – you have a few weeks to hopefully get some of these guys healthy, but the longer it goes into the preseason towards week one, that's where I get more concerned. We're early now. They started a week early. They got this early game. And so if you see some of those guys trickle back over the next week of practice, then you worry a lot less. But if they don't, especially on the defensive front, then I would get really concerned there uh, along with that offensive line position on the right side. So it'll be interesting. And again, we're going to come back to you on Thursday. Thursday, we'll go over a little bit of the game, what the latest news out of camp is there. Maybe some of those guys will get healthy all of a sudden, even though they might not play. Some of the younger guys, at least, and some of the rotational guys would like to see them get healthy um, in time. They're obviously done for practice uh, in, in pads for the week uh, as they're out in Canton getting ready for the game. So we'll do that. We'll also not only preview the game, but we'll talk about Cliff Branch, right? We got to do that, Mo. We got to spend some time talking about number 21, who will be enshrined on Saturday for the Raiders into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's just unfortunate. It was after he passed. I was very fortunate to have been around him several times 
in his in his last year, and including he was on our show before. And uh, just a, a fantastic guy and a fantastic player. So we'll talk about his career. We'll talk about him being in Canton, immortalized alongside all the other Raider greats uh, and what has been a great few years and, and some overdue for the Raiders going into the Hall of Fame. But, Mo, I'm excited, man. We get to watch football. Yes. And after this game, I will say that I could see the Raiders making some moves. So if you're out there listening, just a couple yeah. of names, three names I'll put out there. <laughs> And Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, Daryl Williams. I think the Raiders sign at least one of those guys before the season starts. Could they sign two of those guys? That would be pushing it, but they do have tw <laughs> over $20 million, I believe over $21 million to spend, so they do have the money to bring in some guys there. Hey, I look at it this way. I, I know, you know baseball and, and football are way different sports, but you know sometimes you're there, you're close. It depends. I think it says a lot. If they, if they were to do something like that and it doesn't break the bank for long term, it says a lot if they make moves like that because that tells you that this organization believes that they're not far away. If they don't and they just go and they stand pat with pretty much everything they have, then that tells you, hey, we're going to take some time. And I expect that, too. I don't expect the Raiders to go from just making the playoffs to the Super Bowl. I know everybody would love that. I don't see it happening. But if they make a couple critical moves like that, that tells you that they think they're close, which is a very good thing. And I think fans would be very excited about it. Mo, again, we're out of time, man, but it's going to be Thursday. We'll be right back on it. We'll be able to talk about a game. And then we'll be able to, after Thursday, talk about what we saw, which will be really, really interesting, and we'll do it. But uh, it's it's going to be fun, man. I have a, I have a good feeling about the year. I think we're gonna we're gonna see. There's a lot of storylines that need to be rectified and 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 issues that need to address. But it sounds like this team heading into this first game uh, is is ready for some action and they're focused. Fun times ahead. Take care, everyone. <laughs> All right. Make sure you follow him at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. Again, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Do us a favor. That helps us out significantly if you do that, as well as giving us a five-star rating. YouTube as well. If you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe. That's awesome. But you also have to hit that notifications bell. Whenever the show premieres and comes on, you will be the first to know and you'll be reminded. So we appreciate you being with us. For Until next time, Raider Nation, be good to one another. We'll talk to you on Thursday.